Hey everyone, it's Ouch. Listen, it's tough out there for us content creators anymore. You just trying to put up your own video reviewing your stupid games? All of a sudden, copyright strike. Like, you know what's going on with any of this. Well, this is why I implore you, check out the Bass Rebels. They provide great, free, copyright-free music you can use in your videos, live streams, or what I do, your podcasts. They do a lot of dance music, a lot of chill vibe music. They do some heavy bass stuff, but it's really good. Check out the link in the description of this episode or go to bassrebels.co.uk for more info. everyone it is your buddy and your pal ouch back again on the ouch cast i guess this episode i guess is kind of hard to explain you know i guess in closest relation it would be what you've been playing but it's not quite the full reviews i like to do um you know i've been doing podcasting my stupid little stuff for a long time one of the ideas i had was to write as a character, uh, Tony C. If you remember the old one before Anchor, I did a few as him. It was the more freewheelie, improv-y, just kind of making it up where, imagine just someone who had never played video games all of a sudden had to play video games. And then just that basic kind of mindset comes in where you've never played anything, you're experiencing new games like, trying to explain, like, Kingdom Hearts. You know what I mean? To someone who has never played it, trying to uh, explain his explain what was going on. Uh, I did a handful of these, and since I am now scratching the bottom of the barrel for podcast content, uh, we're going to read through some of them. I'm not going to do the voice. It was just, you know, a couple settings and audacity. You know what I mean? You know, change the pitch, change your speaking habit. Hey, you have, you know, Bug Catcher Jim is a new character. You know what I mean? But I was reading through it and, like, the material is kind of there. Like, it is reads. I can see the jokes and they kind of work. So I'm going to take a read through these. He did. A, he had a series called Click Random. Which was just, you know, internet having a click random auto picker. You just fill it up with options, you click random, you do that. Although I never seem to actually work out on any of those. But, the material is there. This is going to be the complete collection. I think it's only 9, 10, 12 games. You know, probably around 5 minutes each, more than likely, knowing my writing pattern. But we're going to read through, and we're going to call it a podcast. Calling it the Click Random Collection. So... Away we go. The first thing that came up was called Fallout New Vegas. The whole opening scene was the most compressed history lesson I've ever seen. The opening scene from Up has less exposition. The whole deal is that there's a big nuclear war, but somehow Las Vegas is still kind of okay. It's that thing about Vegas. It's the biggest, most well-known, iconic location, yet nothing seems to phase it. You have people inside the city, drunk out of their minds, so par for course. Then you have everyone outside, like some Mad Max jerks, attacking anything and everything. 
Then there were some Roman Spartan looking guys even farther out. Apparently electricity gets a bad rap. Now your whole story is you are this delivery boy, basically, but you get caught by this guy who is Chandler from Friends. I'd usually say he's like Chandler from Friends, but it's the real guy doing the acting. He takes whatever I was carrying and then just shoots me in the face. Talk about having a lame claim to fame. Like Pierce Brosnan once flipped me off in a parking garage. I still think that's a better story. After that, you're in the doctor's office, trying to bring you back to life and start everything of the actual game part. But things got real weird real quick when he said to have a seat on his couch. I'm in my underwear, taking a seat on some weird old guy's couch. I really hope cameras aren't a thing in this universe. Thankfully no cameras, just a bunch of placement tests and administration, so all these machines pick my stats and I'm off. So they do the training part of the game, and it's kind of fun smacking stuff with the stick I got. I mean, the game calls it a machete, but it's a stick. But I did have this weird thought. What the hell is sarsaparilla? It's only available in the southwest, I've heard of it for years, but I have no idea what it actually tastes like. And the other weird thing, you wander through this graveyard just outside of town, and for some reason, there's a snow globe on one of them. Like, the one thing that just doesn't exist in Nevada, snow. And yet they have the tourist souvenir crap like snow globes somehow existing. The only other thing that happened was this little shanty town I'm in is about to be attacked by escaped prisoners. The guy I'm helping says to get the town to help us. As it turns out, all of these pricks have absolutely no morals or ethics. The old prospector has dynamite, won't let me use it. The shop owner has armor, but is a, is a complete capitalist and won't let me have it. And the cougar who owns the bar apparently isn't interested in the mysterious stranger, which is about the only card that has ever worked for me in bars. Hey girl, you'll never see me again. How about a naked phone booth shuffle in the bathroom? So the bad guys are marching in. But I guess this is the super deluxe version of the game, because I'm carrying an arsenal that would make a doomsday prepper jealous. Apparently, I have this rifle that shoots whole grenades, and it just decimates these guys. And the old prospector is still sitting in his chair. You can't have my dynamite! It's okay! I found a way! The next thing that came up was Mario Kart Wii. Now, the controller is a stick, and I'm already off my game. The evolution of this controller is so screwy, a platypus would think it's a long lost brother. Now, it's of course a motion detector, because it's not just about pressing the buttons to go anymore, no. I actually had to turn this thing like it was a wheel. It lets me know how lazy I am when I can't even hold my arms up to turn for more than three races. So this has all of the Mario characters. The guy, his brother, a monkey, the whole deal. Now my favorite character has to be Waluigi. I mean, he looks like a 1920s silent film villain, except he's driving a 1960s dragster hot rod. It's fantastic. 
but it did start to make sense why the princess girl is always getting kidnapped. Because her whole kingdom has all these locations in it. You have farms, gorges, factories, malls, mountains, gold mines. It's crazy. If a gal pal had all this stuff under her name, you'd better believe I'm sliding into her DMs. That's all I'm saying. When it comes to the actual racing part, it's like if ADD had a driver's license. There are bodies everywhere, shells hitting me nonstop, freaking dinosaurs are wandering around. When I was winning, it's pretty easy. But once you mess up, you lose hard. There's no coming back. By the end of the race, the track looks like it's the end of a Three Stooges short. There are just banana peels and mushrooms everywhere. It's a complete mess. It's kind of fun, but I think an hour is about all I got for it. Then there was PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. I guess it's like this big celebration of all the characters from this company got together and just started beating the shit out of each other. Sounds like every Thanksgiving I've ever had since Uncle Ricky stopped drinking. I mean, not since the Laugh Olympics has there been a bigger collection of superstars. Although the last part of that I didn't like to say. Olympics. Yeah. Sounds like a medical complication. There are a bunch of characters, but really there are only three types. Dudes, cartoons, and cartoon dudes. So I picked this guy, young punk kid Dante. Kinda reminds of me of me as a kid, but I could never pull off the leather coat look. I would wear one for like 30 minutes, but then just go, what the hell, is it 90 degrees out here? Pro tip, never go punk during the muggiest summer possible. You can't be a badass when the outdoors feels like the inside of a chicken pot pie. So the game starts and I'm fighting, and fighting, and I'm still fighting. Not a lot to say when everyone can imagine fighting. Although even the stages are in on the gag. One stage is clearly an alien invasion going on, but then there are all these monkeys all over the place. So Dante makes it to the end, but then has to fight the only female I've seen in this game. I wouldn't close that door, but I really had no choice. Again, it's a lot of fighting, but I think I got the idea of it. Then the game Watch Dogs 2 came up. The whole opening is a lot of digital skulls and eyeballs. It's like they got a deal from the early 1990s MTV animation bumpers. It was that level of weirdness. I guess this is all about hackers, but they're really fun-loving for some reason. As long as Matthew Lillard stays far away, I'm up for whatever. The first mission is getting inside this giant corporation and completely deleting your file and history. If I try to do that with whatever they got on me, I could probably crash their servers. I mean, I could make their mainframes nauseous with what I do. You get in, you get out, and then immediately get trashed at a beach party. And then your first mission is to go buy pants. It's like reliving my junior year. So you're a hacker and you're walking around. Since everything is all connected, you can see info about all the useless people you'll never see again. You know this is based on real life when everyone is on their damn phone and you hear a bunch of half conversations. At least these fake people have the decency to keep it private. Hell, you go to the grocery store anymore, 
people are FaceTiming out in the complete open because people can't write their list with enough details on it. And then there's this weird thing where you have hacker vision, where you can see who has the next mission. No, that's just called glaucoma and being colorblind. That's not a superpower. Thankfully, you still have actual weapons in the real world, but even those don't make sense. Like, what martial art is having a cue ball tied on the end of a bungee cord? How much trial and error did that take to be a master like your character? And his other big thing is, he carries around his own RC car, because that's a thing you do. The last time I was excited for an RC car was watching the commercials in the 90s, seeing how excited those kids were, and then realizing, wait a second, I have no streams or rocks in my backyard. Owning the Thunder Havoc would be wasted on me. The power of advertising, man. Wario Land, shake it. I remember seeing Wario from Mario Kart. I guess the whole deal is he's Mario's rival? I don't know if I buy that theory. I mean, it's a lot of work to dress up as someone's photo negative and screw with their day. I hate the guy at the Starbucks, but I'm not going to start wearing an apron and asking people if they want an extra scone just to take away his business. But I do believe in the Chipettes theory, which is somewhere out there, there is the female version of you. I just hope for her sake she's at least a 6 out of 10. So the game starts, and it's a straight up cartoon. I mean everything. Playing the game, watching the movies, everything comes straight from the anime section of Hulu. And the weird thing is, there were subtitles without anyone actually speaking any language. It makes it really easy to get through everything, because now I'm not distracted by the sounds of this giant bearded robot. But here's the thing about all these bad guys. The leader looks scary and all that, but his entire crew are just dodgeballs wearing bandanas with no arms. Literally, they can do nothing but bump into you. They can excuse you to death. I mean, if I was making a pirate crew, and I had the choice of a crew with no arms versus a crew with no legs, I'm taking the legless wonders. They've probably already adapted to swinging themselves like circus chimps. It would probably work out halfway decently. Speaking of pirates, there's this side character named Captain Syrup. She was going to help you, but the guy does it all by himself, so she ends up running the shop for stuff. Here's my question. Why does the term sexy pirate work so well? Like, you hear that phrase and you immediately have Jessie Jane in your head. If you don't, look her up on Google. Images, not video. But why is it so effective? Like, if some girl goes to our Halloween party as sexy pirate, she's the hit of the party. But if she tries sexy robot, no one knows what the hell she is. She would get guesses that are close like sexy Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, but still, that doesn't make any sense at all. Anyways, I love how your guy gets introduced. He's sleeping in the back of a car, possibly in a storage unit, because it really does not look like a house or a garage, and just does not give a damn about the people who needs help. But you get going on the adventure, you explore around, beat up bad guys, get coins, the whole deal. But apparently, 
His superpower is that he shakes stuff. And I mean really hard. It must be so hard being great at something you would only find in the Lumberjack games. Like, I'm wondering if there's a whole section for caber tossing later on. So I was just trying to run through this fast because of the time limit. I mean, there are all these treasures and side missions and stuff like that, but it takes a couple of tries to do it all. So I run through, I make it to the first boss, just your average giant robot holding up a pyramid. It gets kind of dark when you defeat it, and the robot gets crushed by the pyramid, but you're supposed to leave nature alone. So I got the first world done. I feel it's going to be a continuation of that further on, but it's okay for an adventure. Monster, energy, supercross, motorcycle, whatever. So this game pops up, and it sounds like I'm going to be racing against heroes and beasts, but it's just talking about Monster the energy drink? Like, the whole thing about Monster is that it's all advertising. You have the green M and the sleek black can and all this extreme sports crap. You know what color the drink actually is? Sickly orange. Get charged up on something that looks like it should be spilled on the floor of a car parts store. I mean, this entire concept of racing and bikes and all that reminds me how in school, there was always that one kid who was all about dirt bikes. Like, his dream is to be in a commercial for Huffy. And then, even after graduation, he was gonna ride BMX because he thought that was a job? And then the reunion comes around, he's there, his face looks like Wanderlei Silva before the facial reconstruction surgery, his elbows are stuck at a 90 degree angle, his knees have completely turned to powder, but his tailbone is so solid and calcified he leaves a dent in the steel chair, although the school never replaced the chairs after you left, so it could have been there before, but he's trying to start a legend about himself because he's forcing some good old days even though there were none. Man, I miss Sheila. Anyway, the whole deal here is racing these, like, tiny motorcycles, I guess? There's a whole world of these extreme sports that we still don't know about. Like, they've been around for 25 years, and yet they never get that ego inflation of being famous for it, because nobody knows who they are. I mean, they must shell out millions to set up these giant stadiums, just so they can fill them with dirt. I didn't know professional mess maker was a thing. I mean, what does it take to design a track for these things? Uh, let's do some little bumps there. We're gonna do different little bumps over there. And let's just end with a jump here. That's why I get paid the big bucks. So the first race I do, there's no three, two, one, go. It's just go. And I don't have the reflexes for that anymore. There's like 200 people on the track, everyone's bumping into each other. The logistics of crashes should be crippling half of the racers, but it's a game so everyone's okay. Anytime you go off course, which is a lot, you just respawn back on track because they wouldn't just disqualify you. The bike has a front and a back brake, there's a clutch on everything. Hell, I'm just struggling to get off the safety hay bales they put all over. Apparently, someone thinks Guided Mayhem is fun. By the way, I hope you like Last Place, because you will have a second home there. 
Consider it lucky if you break past 18th. But on one race, by some miracle, I was able to rally and get first. I then immediately retired and uninstalled the game because I knew it was never going to happen again. Good luck for those seven of you who are into this stuff. Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. What is going on with this Mario guy? Apparently his only job is being a cash cow. I've only played the first one, it said he was a plumber, but he seems to be really into self-care because he never does any actual work, just a lot of hobbies. But now we are dealing with these things called rabbits, which are kind of like the minions, except I want to kill myself even faster. It looks like someone raided a children's television show dumpster, found these characters, and said, MINE! If you took Ren and Stimpy, which no one knows who they are anymore, took away the individuality and color, but kept the toilet humor, the rabbits would be what was left. There was some kind of sci-fi techno bullshit going on, and now they have to team up with the Mario gang. Not since the girls of Petticoat Junction met the gang from Green Acres has there been such a historic crossover. The whole game is kind of like the most tactical version of Laser Tag, which, by the way, I would totally watch. They do all these sports and make them more violent, like arm wrestling and MMA put together, or like the slapping world championship. I'm saying we should do the opposite. Let's take paintball, give them all headsets, and just one guy is like a chess master. You can only move one guy on your turn, but if you mess up, Rick just gets pelted with paintballs. I guess it would be more fun if it was someone you knew under the face mask or whatever. So you're doing tactical combat, except the rabbits love to play dress up. The ones in your group are dressed like the Mario people. All the enemies look like if someone who had never seen pro wrestling had to draw pro wrestlers. There's a lot of mohawks, face paint, and bold color palettes. But I'm starting to think the voice actors were trying to have some fun in the booth. All the rabbits only really do mouth sounds, they don't really talk. But every now and then, I'm pretty sure a swear word gets thrown in. It's like, Habid Dapawa, bastard. I'm known for hearing stuff that isn't there, but I think I have a case on this one. The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess. Oh geez, this game. I don't know what eight-year-old girl programmed this, but they were completely obsessed with horses. I know there are those people on ranches who think horses are just the most majestic creatures, but there's something about them I just don't dig. They are just one gigantic muscle that eats hay. To this day, I have never seen a fat horse struggling to breathe, somehow has a stash of cotton candy in its saddle. I mean, when the only way to direct a creature that large and muscular is to stab it in the ass with a portable spike wheel, maybe we should not be on top of it. So apparently, these games are number two in the business flow chart of who makes the most money. Each Zelda game is its own big adventure in a new world with a bunch of puzzles and quests, but they kind of reset the story each game, so it's a lot like what they did after the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. They just had too many and went, 
let's go back to the start and try again. I don't know if we can fix this anymore. So you start in this little town that's basically a hippie commune. There's three houses, a farm, and a lot of clothing based on just wrapping yourself in a towel. And not in a sexy way, just like three layers of towels hanging off of you. Now, you'd think there's nothing but beautiful blonde 20-somethings here, but the 60s was nothing but lies, as all of the villagers are ugly as sin. I mean, take a lump of Play-Doh, make someone's head, and then accidentally sit on it, and you just made the mayor. And then the other thing that drove me crazy was the logic behind all the puzzles, because there was none. I hop on the rock pillars to find the piece of grass that summons the hawk. I launch the hawk towards the monkey in the middle of the lake. It knocks the monkey out. The hawk catches the carriage the monkey was holding onto. I deliver the carriage back to the expecting mother who gives me a fishing rod. The Adam West Batman from the 1960s made less jumps than that. Now, if you're thinking this is all sour grapes and I'm being bitter, you're right because for the first hour, I was just a farm boy, doing nothing but chores. Literally, the moment you take control, your first task is to herd goats. And literally, in the same hour, I had to herd more goats. Just from playing this game, I have post-traumatic goat disorder. In the middle of the day, I'll just lock up and fall down for a couple of seconds. When I start moving, I then realize it's the PTGD. Do you find yourself eating straw most days? Can you only grow a thin, wispy beard on your chin? Talk to your doctor about post-traumatic goat disorder. No, yeah, didn't, didn't like this game. Star Fox 64 3D. So the whole deal with this one is it's on the little Nintendo 3DS, where the top screen makes it look like there are little models doing the game stuff. But it's not the cheesy red and blue glasses, it's the real colors. Like, instead of going out towards you, it's going further inside the screen. Think like it's a shoebox diorama you made as a kid, just with movement and whatever. Now, Star Fox. This is like a few steps away from being a cute DreamWorks movie. You are these mercenary pilots, and they get hired to save an entire solar system from this evil monkey Andros. I do think there's a weird message that all the main enemy bosses you shoot down are primates for some reason. Seems very anti-evolution to me, but then again, foxes and frogs are flying space cruisers, so who knows what the hell nature did to eliminate all humans. The other weird thing is that the main good guy army had to hire out the special agent group to take care of their business. Which is fair, because it's not like I saw a single tank on my side trying to help me out. Apparently they got trounced before the game even started, and they're tossing the Hail Mary pass to the traveling vagabonds. Before the main game starts, the game offers a training mode, so I jump on that. You're not sticking me with a handheld box without explaining some stuff. So I've learned all the controls, it feels good and everything. But the woodland creature explaining everything had an unnecessarily sexy tone of voice. Honest, it was to do a somersault, push X and down at the same time. I was really scared to turn on the radio just in case his jam came on. 
So you start on the story, you go planet to planet, saving the day and whatnot. But it felt like they were just rolling the dice if bad guys were there. Like, the little intro scene was just, Be careful down there, Fox. Roger, General. I mean, you aren't visiting a planet and being a good Samaritan. Give me some kind of game plan. And the other strange combat thing was, every now and again, one of my little pilot bros would get shot down, but it was so casual it made no sense. Plane crashes are not something you come back from. Now this may just be me, but this game felt really easy. I mean, I ran through the little path I was on, I made it to the last world, my guy goes, I'll go it alone from here, because he's just an idiot. I fight the most terrifying giant monkey head I've ever seen, and I've seen quite a few monkey heads in my day. He blows up, now I'm fighting a giant brain with eyeballs, I lose all my lasers and both my wings, I spam the thing with bombs, and I'll be damned, but I actually beat a game. Granted, I didn't beat all the levels or whatever, but every victory counts, no matter how small. Farming Simulator 19. Wait, what? This is an actual game? What kind of cruel circle are we stuck in decided to make work into a game? Please tell me the 19 is the year and not the sequel number. Farming Simulator 19, if you can guess, is a farming simulator for 2019. Forgive the sarcasm, but it's really hard to get amped up for tractors. Unless you're the guy in the opening movie, he had that look in his eye like, hell yeah, let's till some dirt. Again, I don't know if that's the right term. Let me ask you, how are you supposed to get excited when the game tells you you're going to be canola farming? Not the most exciting words to put together. I mean, the only th interesting thing this game has going on is how nightmarish all farm equipment is. It's all brand new without a speck of rust on anything, which is probably the most unrealistic part of the game. I mean, everything is like a robot. It folds down onto the ground, it's got machine parts whirring. You would think these things were Decepticons and not herbicide sprayers. So my entire gameplay hour was based around tutorials. I mean, there was a lot of waiting around, and that was just on the load times. So I go through everything. You now know how to bale hay. Oh, thank goodness for that. By the time I make it to the part where you're supposed to do stuff, the game asks, do you want a guided tour? I just went through 50 minutes of a tour, hell no. But without a guide, the game just goes, Here's everything! Start farming, bitch! Needless to say, Farming Simulator 19 is not for me. Kingdom Hearts 1. So I'm just gonna start right off the bat. Why is it that kids get to go on all of these adventures? They travel with their favorite Disney characters, they hitchhike across the countryside collecting monsters. It just seems unfair while I go to work. I want to see a 45-year-old divorced guy where life has just beat the hell out of him and he has to go collect stardust or whatever, something magical. So you start as this kid, Sora. You go through this weird dream sequence, whatever that was about, and then you start on Destiny Island, 
where the music is nothing but tropical travelogue music. It's got this major Robinson Crusoe vibe. There are only six kids on the island somehow making things work. I gotta say, those kids are really lucky with how much driftwood they ended up with. Because they have an entire watchtower, a mansion, there's an obstacle course setup going on. But the thing that drove me crazy, once you see it, it's the only thing you can think about. Everyone has giant feet. Boys, girls, I even think the seagull had huge talons. I think that's just a crossover from cartoons where every Disney character has giant feet, but it doesn't work out so well for humans. Meanwhile, on the other side of the universe or whatever, you got all the Disney characters acting like royalty. Literally, Minnie and Mickey are king and queen, Donald's a warlock or something, he can do magic, Goofy is a knight, so he's basically useless. I will never understand how anyone who does Donald's voice can even speak. It's just so grinding on your vocal cords. Does he just tell the sound engineer, listen, I got 10 minutes tops today, just get whatever you can. You jump back to the Islanders, something starts destroying, destroying the place, except Sora's mom is calling him down for dinner. It starts messing with you because I don't know what's real and what's play. So you get to the island, you start beating up all the little shadow puppets that came to life. The fighting part is okay, but it feels like as if your sword is made with something softer and safer than nerf. Like, is there a such thing as a koosh bat? Anyways, Sora ends up in Traverse Town, which is a lot like an unthemed Disney section. There's a lot of charm and detail, but no actual character. Jet Set Radio Future. Good old fashioned graffiti. I remember when it was the only way to, to show someone that you really hated their guts and you had to immortalize it in the pavilion in the park, but it gets lost in all the other vulgar carvings. But nowadays you need a bunch of stencils and your own marketing department. So playing Jet Set Radio Future on the original Xbox was kind of a weird look back in time, even though the game is all about the future. The main story of the game is you being in this gang of teenagers from like future Tokyo or something. I mean, we've been trying to predict the future since the 50s, but instead of flying cars, we changed it to headphones with a lot of accessories. But while the game looks really future-y, I question the creativity involved with the names of the people. I mean, my gang had people like Corn, Gum, Yo-Yo, Beat, Combo. Someone may have just looked at the lunch menu and came up with their gang. Now since you're in a gang, you gotta deal with other gangs. It's just how it is. But the weird thing is, other gangs don't really have a bunch of members. It's just one member three times. Throughout the beginning, I'm chasing these poison jam guys all over town, yet they seem to be more of a hive mind inhabiting three bodies, and all they really do is see if I can play peekaboo with them in a city. Speaking of cities, it's another question on the developer's part, have they ever been to a city? Because for some reason, all of the civilians just kinda stand around waiting for something to happen like, say, a brazen roller skating punk to come by and rush them. And then you have to be careful there, 
because as soon as the screen starts filling up with people, you get hit with a ton of slowdown. You just end up skating through pudding. Techie stuff aside, the first hour is pretty good. And that is this time's episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. Every play is progress. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at just ouch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H, or send me an email, ouch64 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can find this show on many, many podcast sites. All you have to do is search The Ouchcast and anchor.fm slash ouch. Until next time, everybody, we will see you then. Bye-bye.